Please turn with me tonight in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 22. Isaiah chapter 22. We're going to read tonight from the verse 15. We're thinking this evening of the theme. The nail in a sure place. Isaiah 22 verse 15. Find the place, Isaiah 22, verse 15. <coughs> Thus saith the Lord God of hosts, Go, get thee unto this treasurer, even unto Shebna, which is over the house, and say, What hast thou here? And whom hast thou here? That thou hast hewed thee out a sepulchre here, as he that heweth them out a sepulchre on high, and that graveth an habitation for himself in a rock. Behold, the Lord will carry thee away with a mighty captivity, and will surely cover thee. He will surely violently turn and toss thee like a ball into a large country. There shalt thou die. And there the chariots of thy glory shall be the shame of thy Lord's house. And I will drive thee from thy station, and from thy state shall he pull thee down. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will call in my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with thy robe, and strengthen him with thy girdle, and I will commit thy government into his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. So he shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. And he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. And they shall hang upon him all the glory of his father's house, the offspring and the issue, all vessels of small quantity, from the vessels of cups, even to all the vessels of flagons. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall the nail that is fastened in the sure place be removed and be cut down and fall. And the burden that was upon it shall be cut off. For the Lord have spoken it. Amen. We'll end our reading there at the end of verse 25. And we pray and trust that the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text tonight is taken from Isaiah chapter 22 and the verse 23. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. And he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. And my subject this evening, as I announced this morning, Christ the nail in a sure place. Now let me put Isaiah chapter 22 in its historical context. King Hezekiah reigned for 29 years over the land of Judah. He was a godly and good king. And in his journey of life, he discovered 
that life itself is full of trials and troubles. And that was especially true as far as his own household was concerned. Because this passage refers to one of Hezekiah's most trusted men, a man by the name of Shebna. Look at verse 15. Thus saith the Lord God of hosts, Go, get thee unto this treasurer, even unto Shebna, which is over the house, and say. You see, Shebna was a steward of the utmost importance in the palace of King Hezekiah. Here in verse uh, 15, he's called the treasurer. In 2 Kings 18, he's known as a scribe or, or a secretary. It really, a tremendous position of trust and honour. Uh, if we could think about him as a kind of secretary of state, great responsibility has been delegated to him. He, he's the recorder of certain events that happen to do with the running of the palace in Jerusalem and maybe even the city and the whole of the province. He deals with finance, he handles the money, he pays bills, etc. As I've said, this is a position of great trust and power. Now, now sadly, and rather regrettably, this position that Shebna was in was greatly abused by him. He was guilty of a great treachery. Now, the Bible, of course, is silent as to what the treachery was, but biblical historians tell us and inform us that Shebna was in close contact with the Assyrians to help in the overthrow of Jerusalem and Judah. So on the one hand, he is set for the defense of Jerusalem. And on the other hand, he, he's in league with the enemy to bring about Jerusalem and Judah's downfall. And Shebna, sadly, is guilty of gross treachery and hypocrisy. He's looking after his own self. He wants to save his own skin. We could really say of Shebna, even though he's in this position of trust and power and tremendous responsibility, he's a proud, cunning, treacherous man. What God does is, he sends Isaiah the prophet to him with a message from the Lord that he was going to be utterly removed from his position of trust. He's going to be thrown into captivity and he's going to be uh, lost forever. Listen to verse 17. Behold, the Lord will carry thee away with a mighty captivity and will surely cover thee. He will surely violently toss turn and toss thee like a ball into a large country. There shalt thou die. Notice the reference, young people, to a ball. You know what a ball is, a round object that you throw or kick about. And uh, the idea is that God, through Isaiah the prophet, is saying to, to Shebna, you're going to be thrown like a ball into a large country. That is, you're going to be thrown so far that you're not going to be easily recoverable. It's going to be impossible to find you. You're going to be thrown out so that you're lost and, and lost forever. Shebna, you're going to be utterly forgotten and forsaken. And more than that, I'm going to take your position of trust and power and authority 
and I'm going to raise up another in your place. And the one that I will raise up in your place, this is what God says, and I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. Shedna, you're being removed, and I am going to raise up another in your place. See, verse 25 also mentions the nail that is fastened in a sure place. And that's a reference to Shedna. And that's how Shedna viewed himself, as, as a nail in a sure place. And he had fastened himself there, of course, in the sovereignty and in the providence of God. And God is saying to him, In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall the nail that is fastened in a sure place be removed, because I haven't fastened it. And be cut down and fall, and the burden that was upon it shall be cut off, for the Lord have spoken it. Now, as I thought about this, the nail in a sure place, I said to myself as I read this passage, and I read it in linkage with uh, Psalm 119, here's a great gospel truth that's been taught here. This man, to whom God says, I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, is called Eliakim. And surely Eliakim's a type of Christ. And there's a vivid picture here of the gospel. Christ is the nail upon which one can trust and depend on, especially in the midst of a sea of change and turmoil. So that's what we want to think about tonight. Christ, the nail in a sure place. Now three things, or maybe four. One, the sufficiency of the nail. Look at verse 23. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. You see, it is God who picks the nail. It is God who fastens the nail. It is God who chooses the spot for the nail to be placed. In other words, the nail is fully fixed. The nail placed by God is utterly reliable. The nail, therefore, fixed by God is absolutely sufficient and sustainable. And let's try and get the picture. The nail is fixed and fastened by divine appointment, by God's divine hand. And think of the placing of Christ. Think of the positioning of Christ. Think of the power of Christ. Just like Eliakim, it's all come about by divine appointment. Look with me at verse 20. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. Notice the servant is called. You see, Eliakim didn't step forward and call and appoint himself. 
Eliakim didn't come forward and say, look, Shebna is a proud, cunning, treacherous man. This is what he's doing behind backs against Jerusalem and Judah, against Jehovah. And and he has to be removed and I'm going to raise myself up. No. God called him. The servant is called. And over there in Isaiah chapter 42, uh, we read in verse 1, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, and whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. You see, that's a reference to Christ. And just as Eliakim was called, uh, so Christ was called. Not only is the servant called, but notice also the servant is clothed. It says in verse 21, And I will clothe him with thy robe, and strengthen him with thy girdle. This is a reference, I believe, to a badge of office, a symbol of one's authority. The servant is commissioned. He, he, he says, and I will commit thy government into his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And the servant is charged, and the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. So he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. Now, now let's get the picture. Isn't that, of course, a, a reference to Christ? Over there in Isaiah chapter 9 and in the uh, verse 6 it says, For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And if we link it up with the reference to the key, then we can link it up with Revelation chapter 3 and in the verse um, uh, 7 because uh, in the book of Revelation, uh, writing to uh, one of the churches, uh, the apostle uh, John uh, w- was instructed, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. Now do you see the connection? This is what God is saying to Eliakim. Eliakim, I have called you. I have clothed you. I have commissioned you. And I have charged you. That's what I'm saying. It's a picture of the type of Christ. The key is a reference to authority. The shoulder is that which bears rule and responsibility. And here he's saying this servant is called. This servant is chosen. This servant is clothed, he's commissioned, he's charged, and this is the nail in a sure place. And because he's the servant, he is therefore utterly reliable and absolutely sufficient and sustainable. And you don't have to hesitate to come and trust him. Isn't that the testimony of many? I feel the Lord many times, but the Lord has never let me down. Can't we all say that as Christians? The Lord has never let me down, has he? Surely it's written of him, he will not fail. Has he ever failed you? 
He hasn't. And he never will. And this is true regarding his person. In Psalm 72 and 17 we read his name shall endure forever. The name is that which a person is really revealed. By a person's name he is known and revealed. The name demands comprehension of who he is and what he is like. And when we think of Christ and the person of Christ, he's unique. There's none like him. He stands head and shoulders above the rest. We were singing just one of his titles, The Lily of the Valley. Remember in Hebrews 13 and verse 8, we read Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever. He's been the same from all eternity to eternity. He, he is the eternal Son of God. And because of his person alone, he is utterly reliable. He is absolutely sufficient. He's the God-man. 100% God. And yet truly man. A perfect man. One who never sinned. One who was without spot and blemish. He said, I do always those things that please the Father. One who, as the God-man, was therefore fully qualified to act as a nail in a sure place. All the qualifications, all the grace, all the power, all the love, all the justice, all the wisdom, all the holiness of the God-man are found within him. And all that's needed to meet every demand of the sinner is found in him. There's none other like him. And therefore, we don't have to hesitate to trust him. Isn't that true regarding his work? Let's remember tonight. Jesus Christ didn't come into our world independently of God the Father or God the Spirit. He come by divine appointment. The Father appointed him. He come to do a work. God the Father planned that work. The Spirit, of course, anointed him for that work. He came on a mission of mercy, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to save you tonight, because you're lost. And we know that he came and went all the way to Calvary and offered himself a once and for all sacrifice for sin. Isn't that what we read in Hebrews 10 and 12? But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down in the right hand of God. He finished the work. Or complete. He said, it is finished. Or, or one word, tetelestai. This was a permanent work. It was once and for all. Can it therefore be repeated? Aye, and it's an incorruptible work. Do you know that it cannot be destroyed? In First Peter, we've already uh, underscored this in our exposition of the first three chapters so far in a Sunday morning. Peter used the word incorruptible five times. And he talked about incorruptible seed, and that's a reference to the word of God. And the word of God is incorruptible tonight. He talked about his body as being incorruptible because it didn't know corruption in the grave. He talked about an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled. And we could also think about incorruptible blood of Christ. You see, the blood of Christ tonight is in heaven. 
if you turn over there to Hebrews, or, or sorry, Romans chapter 3, uh, and look with me at verse 25 uh, in an interesting um, aside, he says there um, in Romans chapter 3, verse 25, speaking of Christ being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 25, Romans 3, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, that means a covering, through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Now, now keep that thought in his mind, through faith in his blood, and link it up with the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9 and in the verse 12. And we read, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. You see, you cannot rely on something that doesn't exist. And you can't rely on something that decays. And when the Bible talks about faith in his blood, it's thinking about the precious blood of Christ. It's incorruptible. The blood of Christ with which he entered into heaven. The blood of Christ that's there in the mercy seat. The blood of Christ that exists to this day. Because it's the blood of the everlasting covenant. And it's through that blood that we received eternal redemption. Let me ask tonight, can Christ be trusted? Can he be relied upon to deliver? Is Christ sufficient for you and your need? The answer is yes. He's a marvellous saviour tonight. And you can trust him for yourself. He is all that he says he is. If he says he's a nail in the sure place, the lily of the valley, the lamb of God, and a thousand other things beside he is every one of them. He will do for you what he says he will do. Think of him tonight. A marvellous saviour. Who he is. He's the God man. Think of what he's done. Think of his work that he finished. That's permanent. That's incorruptible and can't be destroyed. Remember he went to the tree. He's there the just for the unjust. He offered himself a once and for all sacrifice for sin. He satisfied divine justice. He fulfilled the law perfectly. He quenched the fires of divine wrath. He shed his blood and he can save to the uttermost. And he can save you tonight. There's the sufficiency of the nail. It's a picture of Christ. Notice, secondly, the suitability of the nail. You see, the nail was not only sufficient and reliable, but the nail was suitable. It says, and I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. The Lord Jesus is a nail in a sure place, firmly fixed, undertaking to keep safe all that hangs upon it. You see, in the past, I'm sure it's been true in your home, uh, where I've got to, uh, or had to, um, put nails in to hold um, say a picture up on the wall and of course the question is when you drive it in will it hold will it fall out and of course the test is for that anxious moment when you 
hang on that nail, what you want hung on it, and then you let go and it still stays. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, miracle of miracle, surprise of surprise, it hasn't fallen down. And of course, if it falls down, you're going to look at it very sheepishly and probably get some uh, scolding as well. When you think of Christ, Jesus Christ is not only sufficient, but he's suitable. It says here, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. You see the name of God and the glory of the Lord and his responsibility as the mediator of the new covenant and all the people of God of all ages from Adam to the last soul to be saved. All the people of God hang on him. And on him alone. And he's responsible to bear the full weight of all his children. Now isn't that tremendous? Note verse 24. And they shall hang upon him all the glory of his father's house. The offspring and the issue. All vessels of small quantity from the vessels of cups even to the vessel of flagons. Now note the reference to vessels. Romans 9, having time to turn to it, talks about vessels of mercy and vessels of wrath. People who hang in Christ are likened to vessels. And over there in 2 Timothy chapter 2 in the verse 19, we read, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stand sure, having the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Verse 20, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honour and some to dishonour. And if you notice that in Isaiah chapter 22 and the verse 24, there's two kinds of vessels mentioned. There is vessels of cups and vessels of flagons. In other words, there's smaller vessels and there's larger vessels. Now, now, now what, what is a cup or, or a flagon? It's a container with which to keep something in. And you see, once we're savingly joined to Christ, we become a vessel of mercy. And like the cup and the flagon, God himself puts things in them. And all the contents as well as the cup hangs in Christ. And what, what's in us? Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Christ dwells in us by faith. The Holy Spirit dwells in us by faith. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he hath none of his. The gospel in its truth and light dwells in us by faith. The grace of God and the strength of the Lord, the love of Christ, all dwells in us by grace. And we hang in Christ. And he is sufficient to hold us. Think of the small vessel here. I liken that to the children. Maybe the children think, do, do I qualify for being in a right relationship with the Lord? Can I come to trust him? And the answer is yes. Think of the larger vessel here. I often think of those that are hardened, godless sinners. Full of iniquity. No thought or fear of God. Can they come? With all their vile sinfulness and trust in him, will he take them 
The answer is yes. Here's the message. Christ is not only sufficient, because he's a nail in a sure place, but Christ is suitable. He's available tonight. You can hang the full weight of your soul and all that's within your soul on Christ. Christ gets your iniquity and you get all the blessings and benefits of being in heaven. I want you to think also of the security of the nail. You see, the nail fixed by God cannot be removed. He says, I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. In other words, if I fasten him as a nail in a sure place, he can't be overthrown. If I fasten him, he's safeguarded. If I fasten him, he's immovable. Now, of course, if I don't fasten him as a nail in a sure place, then there's no security for him. And that's what happened to Shepna. But let's remember this as we come to a conclusion. Our security is in Christ. You know, in the olden days, they hammered nails into the wall and they hung things on them, whether pictures or flagons or cups or pots or whatever. And they discovered, if you think of, will the nail work? And the answer, of course, yes, it will. The nail is sufficient. The nail is suitable. And the nail gives security. It provides support. It provides security. You see, the security of the nail carries the weight of the whole. And if the nail is secure, all that hangs on it will be secure. And in Christ, we can't be removed. In Christ we're safe forevermore. There's such a thing as the strength of Christ. And the question is this tonight. Will you avail of all that Christ is in his person and work? Will you come to him and trust in him? Will you hang your soul in him for all eternity? You know that one day you'll face death. Going down the valley one by one. One day we'll come to God's great eternity. And where will we be? Will we be with Christ in heaven or or without Christ in hell? One day we'll have to leave the world and all our station and, and all our possessions. And in that day, who or what will we trust in? Christ is the keys of hell and death. Just like Eliakim was given authority over uh, uh, King Hezekiah's house, so, so Christ is authority over the house of God. Christ has authority to cast lost souls out into eternity without God and him forever. He says, fear not them which can kill the body, but rather fear him that has power to throw both body and soul into hell. Have you got security in Christ? Have you assurance that all is well for eternity? Because you hang your helpless soul in Christ tonight. One final thing. The singularity of the nail. I will fasten him as a nail. In other words, there's only one. And it's interesting that this nail in a sure place is only mentioned three times in the Bible. Three is the number of witness. And one of them was about Christ in a picture. 
There's only one saviour. Salvation's not in the church. Salvation's not in the church's ordinances or the church's ceremonies. You know that. It's not in your prayers. It's not even in your Bible reading. It's not even in your good living. It's trust in Christ alone. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And you see, many in the unsaved tonight, if we think of Carrie Duff, if we ask them, start talking to them about God and Christ and salvation and sin and their soul, and they say immediately, I've got my church. But it's not the church that saves, it's Christ. They might talk about baptism, but it's not baptism that washes away sin. It's the blood of Christ. See, ultimately, we're always brought back to Christ. Because there's only one Savior. Do you know him? Have you trusted him? Can you say tonight, he is mine and I am his? Think tonight of the sufficiency of the nail. Think tonight of its suitability. If I hang my soul in Christ, will it hold me? Absolutely. Think of the security, all the blessings that flow from him to me. I can't be lost. I'll never be in hell. I'm guaranteed in heaven for him, Christ. And think of the singularity. There's only one. And that's unique. He's the nail in the sure place. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you this evening.